Welcome to the Flint Citadel's podcast of our Sunday morning worship service, a weekly production of the Salvation Army Flint Citadel Corps. as we get to our call to worship, you're going to notice that um, uh, Psalm uh, 15 comes in and you're going to be tempted perhaps, if your Bible is uh, written out much like mine, you're going to get to the bottom of the 15th uh, chapter of Psalm. You're going to flip the page and go, oh, it's 16 already. There's a very short Psalm and it's uh, five verses long. And as you turn to Psalm 15, this is a a guideline that uh, David laid out for us so that we can present ourselves a blameless life. Psalm 15 and all five verses And it says, Lord, who may dwell in your sanctuary? Who may live on your holy hill? He whose walk is blameless and who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from his heart and has no slander on his tongue, who does his neighbor no wrong and casts no slur on his fellow man, who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord, 
who keeps his oath even when it hurts, who lends his money without usury and does not accept a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken. This morning, as we think about those, uh, those words from Scripture, we're going to come to the, the Lord in prayer this morning. And as we do, align yourself with what Christ's will is for your life. Won't you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you so much for all that you do for us. We are perhaps blinded to all of the blessings that you give to us. Uh, we walk uh, in a routine way sometimes, Lord, and we forget that you uh, can, can guide our lives, you, that you can be in charge of absolutely everything that we have and that we are. We are merely stewards of the things you give us, Lord. And as we have these things, help us to be mindful that they are blessings from you. Now, Lord, as we worship together, this is the, this is the blessing that you can give to us that we can hold and hold. And as others see you in us, let your light shine. Be with us this morning as we worship together, Lord. Amen. Well, clearly, all things, all things are possible to him. As we sing these words this morning, you're going to recognize the tune right away. But as we sing these words this morning, keep your mind open to the possibilities of worship this morning. Because maybe you'll find God tugging at your heart. And maybe it'll be the time for you to get into a right relationship with him. The band's going to give us a little bit of an introduction. And we'll sing together. <laughs> about the cross doesn't make any sense to lost people. But for those of us who are being saved, it is God's power at work. As God says in the scriptures, I will destroy the wisdom of all who claim to be wise. I will confuse those who think they know so much. What happened to those wise people? What happened to those experts in the scriptures? What happened to the ones who think they have all the answers? Didn't God show that the wisdom of this world is foolish? God was wise and decided not to let the people of this world use their wisdom to learn about him. Instead, God chose to save only those who believe the foolish message we preach. Jews ask for miracles, and Greeks want something that sounds wise. But we preach that Christ was nailed to a cross. Most Jews have problems with this, and most Gentiles think it is foolish. Our message is God's power and wisdom for the Jews and the Greeks that he has chosen. Even when God is foolish, he is wiser than everyone else. And even when God is weak, he is stronger than everyone else. My dear friends, remember what you were when God chose you. 
The people of this world didn't think that many of you were wise. Only a few of you were in places of power. And not many of you came from important families. But God chose the foolish things of this world to put the wise to shame. He chose the weak things of this world to put the powerful to shame. What the world thinks is worthless, useless, and nothing at all is what God has used to destroy what the world considers important. God did all this to keep anyone from bragging to him. You are God's children. He sent Christ Jesus to save us and to make us wise, acceptable, and holy. So if you want to brag, do what the scriptures say and brag about the Lord. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for this wonderful world that you have given us the chance to be a part of. And God, we know that there are things that bring us down and that discourage us. But God, you are there to support us at all times. You are there to uplift us. And all we have to do, God, is turn to you. God, if there's anybody in the sanctuary this morning who is aching for you, who is lost and empty, God, I ask that you reach out and you grab them and you hug them and you pull them tight and let them understand and feel the security and the warmth of being your child. You gave us so much and sometimes, God, we're, un we're, we're not thankful. We're not, um, we're not willing to see that though we don't always have as much as we think we need, we have everything in you. God, if there's anyone wants to come forward, if there's anyone who is seeking you this morning, I pray that you give them the courage and the strength. If not in front of us here as a family of Christians, but in front of you, God, let them raise their hand, raise their heart up to you, and be filled with your love. God, this world can be discouraging. Things that happen to us can be discouraging. But you are there to be our rock, to be our strength. Remind us of that, God, because we often forget. We thank you so much for all the blessings that you give us, for our families and our friends, for our jobs and our schools, for our children and our parents. God, you are awesome. You're beyond anything we can ever comprehend. We love you, and we thank you so much. In your precious Son's holy name, amen. We're going to sing the chorus, God Will Make a Way.
Jesus was a, uh, a great storyteller. If he really wanted to get a, a point across that people would remember, he told a story, usually a story that his listeners could identify with. 
Well, I'm not a great storyteller. If you want a great storyteller, talk to a Major Carl Reed. <laughs> Jokes, stories, he's got them all. But um, despite my limitations in storytelling, I want to tell you a series of um, true stories. And what I'd like you to do is, is look for the common thread that runs through these stories. Okay? The first story I want to share is from sociology professor Tony Campolo. Oh, yeah. I was, that wasn't supposed to be funny. Um, at one point in Campolo's career, he worked for a Christian camp, and he especially recalled one camper, a boy named Josh. Uh, this kid was afflicted with spastic paralysis, and it made it very difficult for him to control his muscles and his movements. So, if you've been at camp, you know how this is. The wounded kid gets picked on. Josh soon became the object of heartless ridicule by the other campers. When uh, Campolo would ask a question, all the boys would um, deliberately answer in a halting, mimicking way to, um, to make fun of Josh. Each night for the big camp meeting, uh, one of the cabins was chosen to select a camper from their cabin to lead the devotions in front of the entire camp. Well, you know what happened, don't you? When it finally came time for their cabin, in an, in an effort to have some fun at Josh's expense, Campolo's cabin chose him to lead the devotions that night, knowing that he could barely speak intelligibly. This was going to be great. What a fool Josh was going to make of himself. They'd all have a good laugh over it. But before I tell you what happened, listen to this next story. I'm sure many of you have heard of D.L. Moody. He was a famous evangelist and preacher of past generations, and he tells the story of a passenger on a transatlantic steamer. Now, I know some of you are very uh, cruise-hardy people here. You're used to being on these big ships, but the North Atlantic is a whole different situation. Uh, even the largest ocean-going vessels can be tossed by the violent storms that hit that part of the ocean. And it so happens on this occasion that a storm was raging and uh, a certain passenger was lying in his bunk with a severe case of seasickness. Uh, as he was lying there, suddenly he heard a cry, man overboard. And the seasick man, kind of helpless, uh, simply prayed, may God help that poor man drowning in the water. There's nothing I can do. Then he thought, well, wait a minute, at least I can get a light and I can put it in, in the window, in the porthole here. And so, with great effort, he got up and he put his lantern in the window. You know, when you think of it, it's really kind of a futile thing to do, kind of a foolish thing. In this huge ship, out in the middle of a, a raging storm, dark sea, what good would a little light in one porthole possibly do? It was probably a big waste of time and a waste of his limited energy. Really, he should leave that work to the trained and healthy 
sailors whose job it was to, to go out and to brave the elements and rescue people who are perishing in the water. Well, before I tell you what happened to that poor drowning person, let me tell you one last short story. Now remember, you're supposed to be looking for the thread that kind of runs through these, okay? Billy Sunday was a famous baseball player turned evangelist around 100 years ago. And during one of his evangelistic campaigns, a mentally impaired boy came faithfully each night to sing in the mass choir. Joey was not very bright, said Homer Rod Heaver, the well-known song leader, but he never missed one of our meetings and wouldn't leave until he shook my hand. Sometimes I was embarrassed by the way he constantly followed me around and I secretly wished he'd just go away. In addition to volunteering by uh, singing in the, in the choir, the boy also uh, did hard work during the day doing odd jobs for people so he could have some money to, to put in the contribution that was collected every night. He was a nice enough kid, but he was a bit of a bother. You know the type. Don't say any names, but you know the type, right? The kid was really kind of a hopeless case. How could God use such a simple person to change anything, let alone to make an impact for the kingdom of God? I mean, really, that was the job of this trained preacher, this evangelist, Billy Sunday. Open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Did you, did you catch the common thread through there? I know I'm not a good storyteller, so maybe you missed it. So to help you out, if you missed it, hopefully the scripture for today will provide the missing clue. We're going to consider verses 18 through 31. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 through 31. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Where is the wise man? Where is the scholar? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demand miraculous signs, and Greeks look for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. 
It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. In this passage of scripture, Paul tells the Corinthian believers that God's power is not found in the powerful and important people of this world, but is seen in the common people he uses to accomplish his will. And what he wants to communicate to us isn't found in in the wisdom that this world preaches and contains, but it's found in the foolishness of the message of the cross. Of course, that message really isn't foolish at all. In fact, it is the power to save sinful man from certain destruction. But to those who are trusting in their own wisdom, in in what this world calls wisdom, it seems childish. How many people have you heard say, "Uh, you know, church, that's that's for little kids and old ladies. No insult to little kids or old ladies, okay? But, you know, it's not for the young, the strong, the successful, the educated, the healthy, or the intelligent. People like that, they don't need crutches. They have the world in the palm of their hands, so they don't need this religion, this faith. But, you know, they've gotten it all wrong. God isn't impressed with our success. He's not impressed with our education, our social status or any other thing that might make us feel important. In fact, scriptures would actually say God is opposed to the proud, to those who are self-sufficient, to those who don't think they need him. Well, remember Josh, that boy with spastic paralysis that made it so difficult for him to talk? He was the one that his fellow campers chose to give devotion so that they could make a fool out of him that night. Well, let me tell you what happened. When the time arrived for um, Josh to give his devotion, he unashamedly stood up and in his strained, slurred manner, simply said, Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. That's all. That's all he said. But after he spoke, a great conviction fell upon that camp. And these uh, tough guys began, many of them, to cry. And a revival just gripped that camp. And years afterward, Dr. Campolo still meets men in the ministry who came to Christ because of that simple testimony. So much for the foolish and weak things of this world. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. And remember that man with seasickness laying in his bunk, putting his uh, lantern in the porthole, kind of as a gesture to, to help this man drowning in the, in the sea. Well, that man finally was rescued. And uh, in recounting his story the next day, he said, I was going down in the darkness for the last time when someone put a light in a porthole. It shone on my hand and a sailor in a lifeboat grabbed it and pulled me in. Now, 
What are the chances of that? How unlikely is that? It shows that our perceived weakness is no excuse for not putting forth the little strength that we do have. Who can tell what God might do through your act of weakness? Because, you know, it's not our strength that does it anyways. It's what God's blessing brings to bear. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. Remember that retarded boy who came and sang in the choir for Billy Sunday and embarrassed the choir director. Well, one evening, a man came to that choir director and said, Thank you for being so kind to my son, Joey. He's not right mentally, but he never has enjoyed anything so much as singing in the choir. Through his pleadings, my wife and five other children came to this evangelistic campaign and have now received Christ. Last night, his 75-year-old grandfather, who has been an atheist all his life, was saved. And tonight, his grandmother also came forward. Now our entire family is converted. 1 Corinthians 1, 28 and 29 tells us, He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. And how about you this morning? Do you sometimes feel like you have nothing to offer the Lord? You ever feel that way? Feel weak? Overlooked? You ever feel unimportant? Without power? Like it doesn't matter? You can't make a difference? You don't have the talents? You don't have the abilities? Well, if you do, you're in really good company. You're the kind of person that God can use mightily. You know, it's not through the persuasiveness of some dynamic preacher or through the uh, beauty of a gifted musician or the qualities of a wealthy person, their gifts that the kingdom of God is brought here on earth. Yes, all those folks have a part. But God has chosen, rather, through the foolishness of the cross and through childlike faith to bring his sons and daughters to glory. Who would have thought of it? Who would have done it that way? Praise the Lord. In a third century debate on Christianity, Celsus said to Origen, when most teachers go forth to teach, they cry, come to me, you who are clean and worthy, and they are followed by the highest caliber of people available. But your silly master cries, come to me, you who are down and beaten by life. And so he accumulates around him the rag, tag, and bobtail of humanity. To this, Origen replied, yes, they are the rag, tag, and bobtail of humanity, but Jesus does not leave them that way. Out of the material you would have thrown away as useless, he fashions men, giving them back their self-respect, enabling them to stand on their feet and look God in the eyes. They were cowed, cringing, broken things, but the Son has set them free. In Matthew 11, 
28 through 30, Jesus makes this call. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and, will give, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Have you been set free by the Savior? Or maybe you're one of those who, um, who's still limiting what God can do through you. Maybe because you think you're too, um, too weak, too useless. Maybe you don't think you have enough talents. You're not, you can't play in the band, you can't sing in the songs, you can't do this, you can't do that. If this is the case, I want you to know this morning that you are accepted and loved by God and Jesus came to redeem people just like you, just like me. I'm one of those people who never felt that um, I had much to offer God. Matter of fact, I wasn't raised nor encouraged to really uh, believe that I had much to offer, not to really expect much of myself. But I thank God that in spite of my very real limitations, Jesus saved me. I was, a, I was a wacky, messed up kid when Jesus first saved me and praised the Lord that he did. And then he called me to be used by him as he calls all of his servants. This morning, if you've ever felt or if you feel now like I did and you want to be released to be the person that God has called you to be, I invite you to come. We have a mercy seat here, a place of prayer, a place where you can come and meet with God and find His will for your life. God has a call and a purpose for each one of us. And it doesn't matter what perceived strengths, talents you might think you have or even someone else might think you have. It's what the Lord wants to do. Or maybe you are one of those people who has been blessed. You're talented. You're gifted. Life has been good. You have plenty. But maybe you've started to come to trust in those abilities, in your own strength. Maybe you've become deceived thinking, yeah, I am pretty good. I do, uh, I do uh, get people's attention. Well, then you may need to come and speak with the Savior too because it is in weakness that we come. It's in the uh, cross of Christ, in the foolishness of the cross that we find our salvation, and we continue to serve Him. Whatever your need this morning, seek the Lord. He wants to use you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning that your wisdom confounds us, Lord, because it's counter to what we think. I thank you, Lord, that when you, when you sent your Son, you sent Him as a humble child Lord, that he lived the life of a common person, that he, um, he struggled with uh, the, the kind of things we struggle with. He understands us. And Lord, I thank you that in bringing this salvation to us, you brought it in the simplicity of, of this message of the gospel, a message so simple little children can understand it, and yet so powerful that it can, 
It can do what nothing else can do. It can change lives. It can forgive sin. It can give us the assurance and the promise of eternal life. And Lord, I know of nothing else that can do that. And I give you praise. And Lord, I pray that I, as well as those here, might have this foolish faith to believe that you saved us, that you have a place for us, and that you have work for us to do, and that when we're done with that work, you'll call us home and we'll spend eternity with you. Lord, if anyone here this morning has never made that decision to trust you, I pray that your Holy Spirit would overcome whatever obstacles they've put in the way, whatever arguments they've raised, and Lord, they would simply surrender to you. And Lord, if there's any here today who have perhaps come to begin to trust in their own wisdom, their own strength, their own abilities, that Lord, we would abandon that as well, realizing that that is a dead-end street, that it all comes down to our faith and our trust in you, and that without you, we are nothing. Whatever we've considered valuable is as rubbish. So God, do a deep and thorough work in our lives. We want to be found acceptable and ready, and Lord, we want to be used by you. So God, minister to us, make us humble servants, and Father, use us for your glory, for we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song of invitation and response. You'll know the tune. It's um, song 445 in your red songbooks. Oh, for a humbler walk with God. Not many people seek a humbler walk. You don't see, seek a humbler home or a more humble car. <laughs> you always want something better. But you know, in matters of faith, a lot of times moving ahead is, is getting back to the basics of, of just being a humble person. If you've ever been in the presence of a truly humble person, you know what greatness is. It's more impressive than being in the presence of someone who's very accomplished. So it's my prayer that you have this desire in your heart. Let's sing the first verse, and if you need to pray, please come forward. Don't you want to just be closer to God? I hope that when you get together and worship, you spend time studying the Bible or in the fellowship of good uh, Christian friends, that it just makes you want to get closer to God because you get a taste and a flavor for who He is. And that's, I think, what's powerful about people of true humility. 
They, they remind you of Jesus, and you want to be like them. I hope you want to be nearer and closer to God. I hope that's your heart's desire, because if that's what you're seeking, you're not going to make that difficult. But you do need to come by the way of the cross. I invite you to stand. We're going to sing verses 3 and 4, and the invitation continues. prayer for them as they pray. And even as my wife comes and kind of wrap our meeting up for this morning, if you want to come and pray or you want to support um, these folks in prayer, just continue in that attitude. I want to encourage you to um, pray for the, the people in our bulletin. And there's, you know, so much going on these days. So many, um, so much illness and stuff to, um, to just be in prayer and to remember our church family. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much today for your love and for the ability to, to be able to come to you and to lay our burdens down and to just give it to you. I thank you for, um, Lord, being able to, for us having that trust in you, to trust and to know that, that you're there listening and that you're answering our prayers. And, Father, I thank you so much for this day that we can um, learn more about you and to, to learn how to better walk closer to you, Father. I give this to you today. We just pray these things in your name. Amen. Now we're going to sing the um, benediction, as my husband said. If you'll just um, be in prayer for those at the altar and just respect their time. Let's sing.
This has been the weekly podcast of the Flint Citadel's morning worship experience. We hope you were blessed. Join us again for next week's service. Better yet, join us in person anytime at the Citadel, located in the heart of downtown Flint, at 211 West Gersley Street, where you're always among friends. For more information about the Salvation Army in Flint and our worship times and weekly activities, visit us online at www.flintcitadel.org or call us at area code 810-232-2199. Thanks for listening.